0: All right, Second Kings tonight. Man, I feel like we come in here on two wheels. <laughs> My wife was driving. We may have. I'm not sure. Amen. <laughs> and we went down to visit uh, a family that's been visiting with us, and uh, we met them uh, because we were door knocking. Amen. And uh, they came to church, and the uh, they're from Kenya, and um, he's a doctor, and he teaches up at Utah State and got saved about a month ago, and um, baptized last week. We've been doing discipleship for about three weeks, and just some bad things happened in their family yesterday, and I had to go down to the hospital today, and on the way down, we, we went down probably around two o'clock because we had some other things we had to do. We saw this terrible wreck, a car up on the median with a tractor-trailer pinned, and it was awful, but I don't know if that's the wreck, but it's backed up so far they had us on these back roads and boys stopped are always of the devil anyway right and uh but man when they it was bad and and i just i get nervous about being late and i don't normally preach in a vest like this i was prepared to wear the attire that they had maybe tomorrow night so i apologize for that and uh but i'm just glad I, i wore something amen i didn't bring my suit coat and uh so i'm sure you're thankful for that too amen Second Kings tonight, chapter 7. We'll begin reading in a moment. I do want to say thank you, Pastor, for inviting me down. And I appreciate your pastor's reputation and just the stickability of your pastor. And I agree with what he said. Another part of that conference is to really prepare people that's coming out for the reality of ministry in the West. Because they come out here, a lot of times people do, and they see the beauty of the mountains and they fall in love with that and uh and you know as well as I do that blends in after a while it's it's still beautiful and we love it and uh but that that blends in and then the reality and the oppression of uh serving here in Utah uh gets real real quick and so we want them to understand that we don't want to bait people we're not in this thing to get people out here to say look we've had 10 church planters come we also know that everybody that's coming or will come, uh, we probably some of them probably won't stick. But I, I appreciate that they're coming, and uh, you know. And, and years ago, it was said to me, you know, some things we were talking to. I was talking to another preacher, and he was telling me how many people's left. I said, "Well, what have we done to help them stay?" And he didn't have nothing to really say about that. And, uh, I, and that was just a burden. So that's where Intermountain Baptist Ministries was birthed out of that, a burden. So when we hear about guys that are of like faith and like minded work, work, we just go after them, you know, and just make a phone call, take them out for a meal, try to love on them the best we can, go knock doors with them, uh, whatever we can do. We want to be a blessing to them. And I'm glad to see that God is sending men out here like Brother Moore. And, uh, and other men as well. And, uh, just neat to see that network that's taking place. Uh, we're independent Baptists, but sometimes we're too independent in that mindset. And I believe in the autonomy of the church like you do. And, uh, but I also believe that we're going to be in heaven together. Amen. And uh, we might as well get along down here, I guess. Amen. Second Kings tonight. Thank you again, Pastor. And, uh, for understanding uh, why we were just a little bit late tonight. Second Kings chapter seven. Uh, I heard a preacher preach out of this passage years ago, and he brought a thought, and it kind of stirred some things in my heart, and uh, and really he had a great thought about this, and I'm going to probably say some things that he said, And uh, but I began to work on a message, and I've only preached this a couple times, and uh, but I think it'll be a blessing and a help to us tonight uh, during this missions conference. And 2 Kings chapter 7, we're only going to read nine verses tonight here. And then we'll get right into the message, and we'll read some more in just a little bit. Uh, But if you look with me in verse number 1, the Bible says, Then Elijah said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God, and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven... Might this thing be? He said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine's in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians, and if they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. And they arose in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired us against the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore, they arose and fled in the twilight, left their tents and left their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent. And carried thence also and went out and hid it. Then said one to another, we do not well. For this day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. I want to preach tonight to you on this thought. I want to preach on sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Father, help us just for a few moments, I pray. Lord, we're thankful for this church, Lord, for the testimony that it has, Lord, here in this region of the country. Lord, for the faithfulness of these dear people and this dear pastor, Lord. And I pray that you bless them, Lord, during these days of their missions conference, Lord. I'm thankful for the missionaries that are present here tonight, Lord. I pray that you bless their ministries, help them to raise their support quickly to get to their respected mission field. But tonight, Lord, I pray that you'd work on every one of our hearts, Lord. Every now and again, Lord, we need to be reminded of keeping the main thing the main thing. And God, Lord, I pray for just a little while, help us rightly divide the word and challenge us and change us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you, and I know this can be kind of a, a thing in a church, but how many of you, when you see something on social media, maybe it's a meme or a post of some sort, and and you believe it to be good, you you maybe hit that share button, right? And I say that lightly because I know some churches about social media, that can be a divider, right? I understand that. But if you do have it, amen. You see that and, and you share it because you know, like, hey, that's good. I want somebody else to experience what I just experienced uh, from that. Or you're at a restaurant and you're sitting there and you're eating. you got to really taste this. This is really good. And, and you're wanting your spouse or whoever that is to experience what you have experienced. But at the restaurant the other day, and my wife asked me, she says, Are you going to eat all that? <laughs> now, that's a trick question, man. I believe that's Morris's code for give me some of that, or else is what that is. <laughs> but she sees what you have, right? And she wants some of that, and it's wise for us to share that because it is good. And whatever we're sharing, whatever that is, what we're doing, we're expressing to that person, we care for them, and we want them to have what we have because it does something for us. If we look in the Bible tonight in chapter number six, uh, just by way of introduction, I want us to look, we didn't read there, but I want us to look at the dearth in the land or the famine in the land. Give us a little background here. Chapter 6 is talking about how the Syrians there had used the military tactic of that day Uh, to encompass the city there. And they done that sickly, starving them out is what they were doing. To the famine that came into the land because of that caused several different things. And if we look in verse number 25, we see it caused a a depletion of food. And verse 25, it says, And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until the ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of a dove's dung... For five pieces of silver, and so we see how desperate this situation is right here. How this famine has taken a toll upon the people. It's got to the point where they're even selling and eating uh, donkeys' heads, and and I'm not going to get in very detail about doves' dung, but you probably understand what that is tonight. And and if we look, and, I, and I've and i read this, you may have better details than I do. You know how we read commentators about how uh, monies of the Bible days would equivalent to this today. I don't know if this is exactly accurate, but it gives us an idea uh, that this ass's head would be about $10,000 of our money today is what they had to pay for that. And not only that, it was going against their Levitical dietary law. And so there, there was just some bad things going on during this time. And this dove's dung, just fourth part here, this very minute part of dove's dung was over $600 of our money. I mean, these people were in bad shape. And there was a depletion of food. We also see this famine caused the, the discord among the folk there. Look in verse 26. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, Oh." king and in verse 29 it says uh or excuse me verse 27 it says and he said if the lord do not help thee when shall i help thee out of the barn floor or out of the wine press and basically is what he's saying woman i'm in the same shape you are i mean this famine has taken a toll on the king as well and, and and how do you want me to help you if the lord does not help we won't get no help at all and then verse 28, And the king said unto her, What else? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we bowled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him, and she have hid her son. I'm talking some discord there among the folk. Look how bad it's got. We're reading here. This is not a fairy tale. This is the Word of God. Amen? And these these events that we read about, they're real. Amen? And you know, as well as I do, our bible Bible's being attacked day like never before. You know, I still believe that God parted that Red Sea. Amen? I don't believe they drowned in about that much water. Amen? I believe it. I still believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. You say, you really believe it? Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. I believe God spoke this world into existence. Amen? I have no problem believing that. And I have no problem believing how desperate these people were where it got to the point where this woman was willing to give her son and boil him and eat him. He said, man, I, I would never do that. We really don't know what we would do until we are in a situation like this. And then it just caused despair and fear. We see it in verse 26 where she's crying unto the king. In verse 30, look with me. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes. He, he tore his clothes and... As he passed upon the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. And I'm sure you understand tonight what that meant. This was a sign of mourning and and despair there in the Old Testament. We we see this famine causing several different things, this dearth causing several different things. But number two, by way of introduction, I want you to notice the declaration in the land. In our verse tonight that we read in chapter 7, verse number 1, And we see here a message of hope. The Bible says then Elijah said. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Tomorrow about this time. Shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel. And two measures of barley for a shekel. In the gate of Samaria. I'm talking this is a message of hope. Remember where they're at in this famine here. They're eating donkey heads and they're eating dung from a dove. And they're paying lots of money for that. They're even eating one another's children. Mm -hmm. And the man of God comes along with this message of hope and saying, Hey, there's going to be some things changing tomorrow. Business is going to pick up. Mm -hmm. Can I say tonight, we have a message of hope. And we're living in a land of famine amen spiritually speaking all around us wherever we go it doesn't matter where we go there's people everywhere desperately needing the gospel i was able to go to the hospital before here like i mentioned to you and a young man laying there in the bed and i was able to give him the good news of the gospel amen he didn't get saved because it's probably the first time he's actually heard the gospel but i told him i said i want you to think on that tonight i'm going to come back and see you tomorrow so let's pray there ain't no wrecks tomorrow amen And I'm going to come back and see you tomorrow. i want to talk to you about that again. So let's pray for him that he might get saved. Amen. There's a famine in our land. But we've got a message of hope. But look at the mockery from the leaders in verse number 2. It says, Then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? He's mocking the man of God. This would have been a right hand man of the king. This would have been a warrior. This would have been somebody the king trusted there during that day. And he heard the man of God and his message of hope. And he's sitting there and he's mocking him about is God really going to do this. And then we see the manifestation of judgment here at the end of that verse. And he said, uh, talking about Elijah, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. Tonight I just got three simple points I want to give you and if you're taking notes write these down. I want us to get right into the text and look at this. I want you to notice first of all number one the outcast. In verse number three it talks about there there was four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. So we see the defilement of these men. We understand the reason they're at the gate is because of their leprosy. That was one of the uh, consequences when one was uh, announced with leprosy they were placed outside of the gate there and that's where they were during this time they were defiled they were leprous men and the law demanded that so they were separated from society and you understand I'm sure if you've been in church any time and I'm sure your pastors preached on how leprosy is a picture or a type of sin in our lives and how a lot of times it starts you know on the surface and then it Penetrates, And a lot of times you'll read stories of people with leprosy. When it penetrates so deep, it gets to those nerve endings. And I've even read stories where people in, in foreign countries that are sleeping in a very poor condition or they're in a poverty state. Uh, they're laying there on the floor with, with leprosy. But because those nerve endings are, are, are destroyed, rats would come along and, and eat their fingers and they wouldn't even feel it because they're just numb to that. And boy, isn't that what sin does to us? Yeah. If we allow sin to sit there, and we allow it to penetrate our lives long enough, I'll tell you what it does: it calluses our hearts, yeah, right. and it conditions us to where things that used to bother us does not bother us no more. Yeah. I grew up in North Carolina, and I didn't grow up in church. I grew up in a in a good home. We went to church every now and again. We were the CEO Christians. Christmas and Easter only is when we went but i grew up in a, in a blue collar home mom and dad uh had great uh standards they they made some christians look bad to be honest with you the way they lived their life and and uh but i, I remember going to the beach and you know i would go to myrtle Beaches where we always went and we'd go in our swimming trunks and take our shirts off and and it was just something we done because i was conditioned for years that's just what you do but then God saved me and started working in my life. And it didn't happen overnight, but God started to reveal in my heart that I was to be different and separate from the world. And, and so now we have convictions where we don't do that no more. Amen. And people look at us funny uh, because of that. But really when we take a step back and we think about women and what they wear, that's no different than going to their house and them serving you in their undergarments. I had a preacher confront me like that one day. When I was struggling with that. And he says, what's the difference? Would you mind if your wife... I said, yeah, I would mind. And then he just looked at me like, really? God started using that. And I realized, man, I've just been conditioned to thinking that's okay. And we as Christians can get back to that state as well. We can get conditioned and get to the point where those things just don't bother us like they used to. We see not only the defilement of these men, but the desperation. Look in verse number three again. The latter part. And they said one to another. Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city. Then the famine is in the city. And we shall die there. And if we sit still here. He's talking about outside the gate. We die also. Now therefore. Let us fall into the host of the Syrians. Remember that's the enemies. That's the ones that encompass the city. And if they save us alive. We shall live. And if they. To kill us, we shall but die. I'm going to tell you, when I read this, the more I see a state of hopelessness. I mean, they don't know what to do. They realize they're going to die one way or another, and their last resort, their very last resort, was to fall into the hands of the enemy that they might live. And let me say this, that is a sad state of mind to think that the only hope that I have is to be the prisoner of the enemy. And can I tell you, there's a lot of Christians today that's in that condition. You know, we sing victory in Jesus, right? I believe y'all might sing that here. And and uh, is that just something we do because the song leader gets up here and we're just going through the motions? That's what we have to. Or or do when we sing that, man, we really believe we have victory in Jesus. Now, I don't preach a prosperity gospel and I don't preach that, man, every day is going to be wonderful. But every day ain't got to be awful. Amen? I mean, this world needs to see something different in us. They really do. It's exciting to serve the Lord. I've The hardest time of my life has been the last nine years serving in Utah. But I'm going to tell you this. It's been the best time of my life. Wouldn't trade it for nothing. When I was on deputation, I'd get the question all the time. Why in the world would you quit the race team and go to Utah? Man, that's a sacrifice. I said, no, that's not a sacrifice. What Jesus done on the cross was a sacrifice. I'm just trying to be obedient and willing to, And I'm just telling you, listen, it's exciting to serve Him. And sometimes we got to remind our faith that it's exciting, right? Really, I mean, people need to see something different in you and I. And a lot of Christians are bound by the enemy and they think that's the best that it's going to get. Listen, we don't have to always live a Job life to be right with God, amen? I don't pray for that type of... You might pray for that and I don't pray for that, No. Sad state of mind. God does not want us to live like victims. He wants us to live victorious. These men were defiled. They were desperate. And it caused them to make the decision that we see in verse number 5. Look with me. And they rose up in the twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. You see, they wasted no time because they had no time to waste. You know, we're, we we are have a burden for Utah. Not only Utah, just the connecting states. Wherever we can help. I'm closer uh, to Idaho than I am even Ogden. And so where I live, and so we, we have a burden for Idaho. And I've realized this. I turned 44 on April the 12th. If anybody wants to write that down, go ahead. And I've lived over half my life expectancy. And if I live... According to my family history, I've only got about 10 or 15 more years. But let's just say God gives me double, amen? Compared to eternity, that's nothing. Amen. Right. And we don't have time to waste. Right. And you know, I had some question, why would we go planting more churches when a church is only nine years old? Well, why not? Right. Amen. We've got the gospel, right? Yes. right? And I agree with Pastor, there's been a lot of churches planted In Brigham City. And I told Pastor Malignac. The only difference is we're in Logan. And we ain't going nowhere. So we're going to take our time. We're going to go over there. And just be consistent and preach the gospel and knock on doors and do what all, you know, there's these churches trying all these things and mimics and games and light shows and whatever to get people in. Listen, preaching the gospel still works. Amen? Yeah. Knocking doors still work. Canvassing still work. Just loving people where they are and letting God work on them still works today. And they wasted no time because they had no time to waste. So we see the outcast, Number two, right this day we see the outcome we see and we've read about this in verses five through seven how the syrians there they retreated we find and we're not going to read it again but we find god working behind the scenes aren't you thankful for that today we're going to get to heaven and i believe we're going to realize we worried way too much while we were down here and i'm preaching to myself right there amen But we find God working behind the scenes and He's preparing a way for this prophecy to come to pass that the man of God was speaking of and we see His omnipotence here creating these mighty sounds so the enemy would think that there's a host of different armies coming and it scared them so much, man, they left everything in the camp. They didn't take nothing with them. They jetted out of there because they feared for their lives. Man, don't you want to, when we get to heaven, go back to some of these scenes and just say, just get in on it. And just wonder what that sounded like. Amen. And we see they retreated. And then because of that, we see the retreat of the Syrians. We, we see the riches they secured. We read about how in verse number eight, we can read it again. These lepers, it says, when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp. Talking about the Syrians camp. The ones They fled. They went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. The fear, as I said earlier, Caused the Syrians to leave everything they own. And here they are, these lepers. They're they getting ready to die in their own mind. There's no hope. And they're willing to fall into the hands of the enemy. And now they realize they've got more than they've ever had in their lives before. I'm going to tell you, it sounds a lot like salvation. You know you got to get lost before you get saved. And you're in a pretty desperate position when you're at that point. You realize you're a sinner. You have nothing, but you need something. Amen? Amen. I was telling the young man today that there's there's a God-sized hole in everybody's heart that is born. And we try to fill it with money. We try to fill it with prosperity, with positions. We try to fill it with drugs sometimes and fleshly pleasures. But the only thing that will ever fulfill that void is Jesus Christ. And so when we get to that lost condition and, and we get to that point, but then we realize we've been looking in all the wrong places and we received Jesus Christ. And that was exactly my testimony because I was drinking at 13. And, and at the age of 16, I was headed down a wrong and bad road. But I had a godly little grandmother that would ask me to come to church. And we would go with her when we could. And I remember going that day as a 16-year-old sitting there on that pew. And you know, at that time, at 16, I, I've been lived 16 years, so I knew everything on earth right, like most 16-year-olds do. And I thought I had this thing bagged, and, and, but I knew there was something wrong. And I'll tell you what God used. God used preachers that would stop downtown. I lived in a little town called Faith. It was about 800 people. We had one caution light to look at, and that's all we could do in Faith. There was nothing else to do. And we'd sit down the street with all the buddies. And these preachers would stop. And they'd walk up in the middle of us. And they wouldn't they wouldn't holler at us. They wouldn't say, you're dying and going to hell or nothing like Although we were. They would just simply stop and say, hey, let me ask you boys a question. If you died tonight, where would you go? And it'd get quiet about like that. Because we didn't know who these people were. I didn't grow up in church. So I was like, we would actually make fun of them. But God used that to plant seeds in my heart. So when I went to church with my grandmother, I knew I needed something. And I heard about Jesus Christ and His saving grace that day. And I remember that morning at Southside Baptist Church in Salisbury, North Carolina. I walked out from that pew, came down, they took me to a room. And boy, a gentleman took the Word of God and I got saved that day at church. I got more than I ever realized I could get that day. These men... Willing to fall into the enemy's hand. Man, they were desperate. Walked away having more than they've ever had in their lives. We see the outcast. We see the outcome. Number three, write this down and we're done tonight. We see the opportunity. And this is really what I want to just get to. Within this opportunity, we see their rationale in verse number nine. Read with me again. It says, then they said one to another, we do not well.'" This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. You know what these men's men started to realize? That they had something that others needed. These men concluded that they had to share these riches with others. So what was their reaction? Verse number 10. So they came and called into the port of the city. And they told them saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians. And behold, there was no man there. Neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied and tents as they were. And they called the porters and told it to the king's house within. What I find here is there was no procrastination. How many has a problem with that tonight? Two of you saved tonight because y'all are honest. Amen. There was no procrastination going on here when it came to spreading the good news. They were very prompt about that. But in verse number 12, it says, And the king arose in the night and said unto the servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore, are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get them into the city. Remember, the Syrians had encompassed the city. They were starving them out. No resources could come in. And, and here now, these four leprous men are coming in with a message of hope saying, listen, we went out to the camp. They're not there anymore. And there's all kind of provisions out there, things we need to live. So come on and get in on it. But the king says, no, 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 no. He says, this is, this is a ploy. This is a plot of the enemy. What they're doing, they're hiding, and and if we were to leave the city walls, then they're going to uh, capture us, and and so we're not going to do this. And simply, this is my point tonight, not everybody's going to receive your message. Man, ain't that a truth. That's why many won't go out no more. Now, I know this is a soul winning church, and your pastor just told me y'all went out, believe this past Saturday, and I don't know what y'all's process there is or procedure, uh, but I love to hear that. Well, a lot of churches don't do that no more. And not everybody in the church does it like they should. Because it's just not up to the pastor and the deacons and the Sunday school teachers and those of leadership. Every one of us is called to spread the good news. But not everybody's going to receive it. And that makes it hard. You know, we, we don't really ever see people coming through the doors of our church that we actually knocked on their door. But we do have visitors because I believe God honors that. Amen. Yeah. I believe that yeah. with all of my heart. We do see some every now and again. We, we were transitioning to a, to a new app that we're going to use to help with streamlining our process. And so uh, the Saturday before that, uh, I was out of town. And so our, our church just went out to two. We got two Walmarts 10 minutes from each other. And uh, they just saturated the parking lots. Well, the last two Sundays, we've had visitors because of that. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. So sometimes that does happen, but this is what I tell our church. The person that gets the most no's will get the most yeses. Because you're going to get no's. You're going to get those people that just, they're not interested. We're living in 2023 and the Lord's about to come back, I believe. And people are very calloused. And where we're from, they're, they're gospel-hardened. And, and they're sort of like that here. It's just the wrong gospel, right? And so we, we understand this. A lot of people are not interested, but if we don't ever go, how will we ever win anybody? That's right. It's like those of us at deer hunt. We're not going to kill nothing sitting on the couch, no. right? You're not. you got to get out there and do it, but not everybody will receive the message. So the fear in the land, it it caused them to be calloused and and really cautious. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what COVID done to our churches. That's exactly what it done right there. Fear just overtook our churches. Where where some people are still not going door knocking. What, three years later now? Mm -hmm. Because of the the fear that it created. Man, we can't... What does the Bible say about that? God didn't give us that spirit. Amen? And if God's going to take me out with that, then that's just how it's going to happen. But I'm not going to let that control my life. Look in verse 13. And one of his servants answered and said, Let let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain. It shows you how bad it was within the city which are left in the city, behold, they are as all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed. And let us sin and see. The king may have been hesitant concerning the good news, but one of his servants had a glimpse of hope. Mm -hmm. And I'm simply saying this, they were somewhat like the lepers there and realized either way this goes down, They're going to die. And maybe, just maybe, there's some good news out there. So verse 14, they took therefore two chariot horses and the king sent after the host of the Syrians saying, go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan. And lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel. And two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. The servant went out. He came back and he reported what the leprous men had spoke about is nothing but truth. And what happened is the word started to spread. The next thing you know, more and more started to be blessed, restored, and revived because the famine was coming to an end. I'm going to tell you what happens when a church gets excited for God it spreads there's something contagious about that amen. you know people when they come into our churches they need to feel welcomed that couple that we mentioned that we uh reached them through canvassing uh they told me they'd been to four of the churches and nobody would talk to them mm. and they believe it's because they're a black couple mm. but when they came into our church they said well i'm gonna tell you what they said but they said everybody talked to them amen and that may be having something to do because we're from the South. We like to talk too much. I don't know. But I, I, I wasn't there that day. And I'm thankful to hear that report that the church is a friendly church. Amen? And it should be. Because that's the first impression. Amen? And when somebody walks into a church and they, they realize, hey, I, I'm, I'm welcomed here. I feel like I'm even wanted here. Amen? They're going to be more receptive to that man of God that's preaching that word. Amen. And the Holy Spirit can work in that heart. Because when somebody comes into a church. And they've already got this first impression that's not good. They're probably not going to be in the right spirit to hear the true word of God. But this man came back. And he's telling them. And the news is spreading. And and things are getting exciting there. And the word of God came to pass. So some concluding thoughts here. Let me say this tonight. Don't put a question mark where God puts a period. The man of God told them in one day that two measures of, excuse me, a measure of fine flour would be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel. And it came to pass just like God said it would. Let me just say this tonight. God's Word is sure and we can trust it in every area of our lives. Amen. We're real good about putting question marks where God puts periods. Mm-hmm. Let me say this, rejecting God's truth always brings judgment. Mm-hmm. We, I'm not going to read, but verses 17 through 20 talks about how when Elijah told that Lord, little L Lord, that you're going to see this with your eyes, but you're not going to eat thereof. That came to pass. He ended up dying, the Bible says there in verse 20. And so it fell out unto him for the people trod upon him in the gate and he died. Just like the man of God said. And this is what I think about. There's so many people just in Ogden. What is the population here? Ninety? Seventy five thousand people. You think about that. Majority of that. Majority of those people are lost. You know that as well as I do. They're dying and going to hell. Amen. And listen, we've got a message that can set them free. I hope you're connecting some dots here tonight. We've got something that we need to share with them. The city surrounded by the enemy. They're in the midst of a great famine. There was no hope unless God intervened. And that's exactly what He did. He made a way and He provided which they needed it so desperately so they might live The enemy was defeated, the provision was there before them, and the lepers embraced the goods. Now let me say this tonight to you, and I know you know this, but we, we need to be reminded of some things. Can I remind you tonight, the devil's already been defeated. He's on death row tonight, amen? He's been defeated. And he's just awaiting his final doom. The provision's already been made. That's the message that we get to go and tell. Amen. It's nothing that we do. God has already worked this out before the foundation of the world. He's already given us that plan of salvation. And the provision for eternal life has already been made. And all you and I had to do in that day that we got saved was freely receive it. Why? So we'd be sustained. Amen. For eternal life. And the lepers asked the question earlier there in our text. They asked the question in verse number three. Look with me at the end of that verse. Why sit we here until we die? Man, ain't that a good question to ask ourselves this evening? Time's running out, folks, and we know that. And we let a lot of things take up our time. It's really wood, hay, and stubble. That's right, You know, this week is focused on missions and and we're thankful for these two families that are going to their respected fields and thankful for the mission field God's given us in Utah. But what, what are we doing with that? We, we can get real busy even in the ministries of our church and forget about the, the real ministries out there. We got to go and tell people and we got to go and share with people what we have. I believe a lot of people not sharing because they don't have true biblical salvation. They don't have nothing to share. But I don't know how you can't tell people. I was saved at 16 as I mentioned and I'm 43. And it's still not old to me. It still ain't old to me to lead somebody to Christ. That's addicting tonight. There's a lot of things that's addicting in this world. But I'm going to tell you what man, if you've never done that, you, you take the gospel and you share that with somebody and you watch them by faith receive it and God work in their lives and over time, God restore them. Maybe it's a broken marriage or a broken... That we, that's the people we've reached up there in Cache Valley. A lot of broken people who are now serving the Lord. Amen. And, and we've reached them by getting out there in the highways and hedges. We had our first Soul Winners uh, training, I guess I, we could call it, in the storefront days. And we had a good group there, and nobody in that group had ever went door knocking. So we were starting from the ground up. So I was going to just get them out canvassing, just to get them out there. But we talked for several hours on what soul winning is, and and how to lead somebody to Christ. And and uh, we're not easy believism. We believe in, in taking your time with that person. Uh, but I do believe it's easy to get saved. Amen. I'm thankful that God put it on the bottom shelf for us to understand that. And and we had this woman sitting there in the in the uh, class and she when I would leave to take a break would take several breaks I didn't know this till later she'd look at everybody she kind of grew up in the area and she says this will never work here this this will never work up here she just kept being negative and I'd come back in she would put a smile back on her face and had a couple taking her home and uh, she was in a wheelchair and She was saying it all the way home. And finally, the man taking her home, who's still with us today, he says, man, please, we don't need that negativity. My kids don't need to hear that. We're going to do what the pastor wants to do. So we need men like that. Amen. Now, let me say this. Fast forward nine years. I don't know where she is because people like that don't stick unless they get right with God or get saved or something. But I can take you up to Mount Logan Baptist Church and introduce you to family after family after family that we've met knocking on their door and they've got saved by the grace of God. Amen. Now serving in the local church. Verse number 9, it says there, then they said one to another, we do not well. We do not well. Boy, ain't that a thought. How well are we doing? How well are See, they realized that they were abundantly blessed. Do you realize that tonight? If you're saved tonight, say Amen. Going to heaven. Isn't that an awesome thought? I mean, it really is. And we got to realize tonight we are abundantly blessed people. But they also realized with that they were accountable. They said, we do not wail. Man, they were, you imagine, can you, again, I want to go back and see these lepers going into this tent, that tent. You know, they're over there eating chicken. You know they were Baptists, amen. Amen, they were getting everything they could, gold and silver and raiment, and they'd take it and hide it, and they'd go back again, and they'd go back again, and finally they stopped, and they're like, wait a minute. We do not wail. There's a famine in the land, and we've got what it takes to sustain those that are about to die, and when we transfer that over to a spiritual sense, we know there's a famine out there. we got what it takes, but are we taking it to them? We do not well, and then it says there they we, we see where they readily announced they said, Hey, we got to take this in the verse ten, so they came and called into the porter of the city so i just want to leave you with that thought tonight are you sharing what you have Amen. acts 420 says for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard have you i preached a message recently i mentioned earlier how the south where i grew up is gospel hardened but i believe we as christians can get glory hardened we get over what god done for us and what is what he's doing for us today And I wonder, are we really getting out there actively sharing the gospel every chance we can get? Mm -hmm. These lepers knew if the people didn't get it, that which was essential for life, they would die and it burdened them. So I wonder tonight, are we really burdened for those who are trapped in their sins, dying and going to hell, and yet we're sitting there soaking it all up? Mm -hmm. We do not well. Mm -hmm. One preacher said it like this We do not well if we do not tell. We do not well if we do not tell. Father, I pray, Lord, that you work in our hearts, Lord. I'm thankful for the opportunity tonight, Lord, uh, to be with this dear flock, Lord. And I'm thankful for this dear pastor and his family, their faithfulness. Lord, we're thankful for your word tonight. God, Lord, would you just work in our hearts, Lord, and stir us. And Lord, really, uh, nothing I said tonight is new. But God, I pray that you would renew our love and compassion for so winning and And taking the gospel to people, Lord. I pray that You would do that in our hearts, Lord. And give us that burden for not only those locally in our Jerusalem, but those around the world. And as we participate in mission giving and supporting missionaries around the world, may we have a burden for the world that You died for. We love You. In Jesus' name, Amen.